episode 35 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. You can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And on that note, I wanted to make you aware as well, I'm in the process of creating a, uh, a forum um, and kind of a shout out to a few years ago, a forum. Forums have changed quite a bit these days. Uh, they can be accessed on mobile devices, on the computer in front of you. But I really, I wanted to create an anonymous, uh, very user-friendly forum for people who are struggling with pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior, kind of a place where you can go to uh, get additional help, where there can be, uh, I think sometimes people want a place to go when maybe they have been triggered or there is that thought that, that uh, is before they may act out. So I want to create a, it's a real strength-based community of people. Um, you can find an accountability buddy there. You can talk about what works, articles that work, that sort of thing. So uh, I actually, I have created it. And uh, so um, I'll give more information about that probably in the next episode, the beginning of the next episode next week. Or if you're interested, and I know I just said anonymous, but I promise you that uh, this email address I'm about to give you goes directly to me and only me. But you can send me an email at contact at pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll send you information on how to connect to the forum. Um, I'm just currently having a tiny bit of technical difficulties. The forum is there, but uh, trying to tie it directly to um, a URL. Actually, like maybe by the time I forget that people will listen to these uh, um, for a long time after they've been put out there, but it's uh, pathbackforum.com, and hopefully I'll have all those connection issues sorted out in the next few days. But uh, you can just email me at contact at pathbackrecovery.com if you're interested in getting more information about the forum, and that's always a way to get a hold of me too if you have questions for the podcast, which I know I have so many um, that I haven't that I haven't gotten to, and part of that is just because the and I'm so grateful the more. Um, uh, the podcast grows, the more people that maybe reach out want to be on the podcast. And just I have so many good guests coming up that sometimes I feel guilty when I take an episode and uh, even just answer questions. So and actually, I, I'm going to try to bring more more of my some of my friends, other therapists on here to help me answer some of those questions. So uh, stay tuned for some of those episodes. And some great feedback here as well. I actually was uh, speaking at an event last night and had a couple of women come up to me and say that they weren't even really aware that there was or that there were treatment options or programs available for um, betrayal trauma. So that's what Bloom for Women is all about. Bloom for Women, bloomforwomen.com. Bloom offers online programs, expert help, and an empathetic community to help women heal, strengthen, and grow past the trauma of things like infidelity and betrayal, whether it's betrayal from a spouse who has maybe a pornography or sex addiction or from the emotional betrayal uh, of an affair. Um, if, if that is even anybody you know that maybe has gone through that, if you've gone through that, please just visit bloomforwomen.com and they offer a free seven-day look at their programs. But uh, we've done a deal where if you use the coupon code virtualcouch, all one word, you get a free month's access to all of their evidence-based programs and this community that's designed to help you heal and recover from betrayal trauma. I highly recommend it. Um, it's, it's put on by the folks that I attended an 18-week betrayal trauma training with, and uh, that just really opened my eyes. Again, I get a chance to work with a lot of couples, and I do a lot of work with the pornography and compulsive sexual behavior um, folks, but uh, this just really, really opened my eyes and gave me a, a better 
look at the betrayal trauma that goes on on the other side of the of the couch from the person that I'm typically working with. And it's really, I feel like it's helped me become a better therapist. And uh, it's just, it, there's a lot of good tools out there for women who may be women or men who feel like uh, they have been betrayed. But this site in particular, Bloom for Women, is for those women who have been um, subject to betrayal trauma. And as per usual, and always, this episode is also brought to you by the fine folks at Eli's Extracts. Eli's provides an all-natural organic shave cream. And once again, uh, I seem like I'm getting now uh, questions about this on a weekly basis. I am not the bald guy on the label. Although, once again, I will comment that he has a wonderfully round bald head and his gigantic handlebar mustache is quite fetching. You can go to www- uh, or dot Eli's. I just sound like an old man there, right? At www. Google search something, but it's actually at Eli's, E-L-I-S-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S.com. And there you can get 25% off of your order of any size, up to a million dollars. Use the coupon code virtualcouch, all one word, and you can get any of their organic shave creams that are scented with essential oils. Amazing. Head shave cream, body shave, uh, face shave. Today, my head is once again luxuriously shiny and smooth, thanks to the fine folks at Eli's Extracts. And I want to welcome the literally, and I mean literally, hundreds if not thousands of new subscribers to the virtual couch, thanks to my last episode where I interviewed Jody Moore, aka The Bold New Mom. Uh, I feel like I come on here every week and I thank everybody for the wonderful feedback for every podcast episode that's released. And behind the scenes, I love looking at the stats, the numbers, the downloads. I'm really fascinated with the number of countries that the podcast is reaching. Uh, the last episode, uh, the one before Jody, the one on lying, which was one where I just... Um, one of those kind of just gee whiz topics I wanted to get out there and good feedback there, especially the difference between a pathological liar and a compulsive liar. So if you haven't heard that one, go check that one out. But that one, uh, over 30 people in India downloaded the episode out of, you know, out of the thousands of downloads, 30 people in India wanted to hear the virtual couch's take on lying. So that, that just absolutely fascinates and excites me. Um, just for fun, I pulled up the stats on downloads per city. And I think this one was after Jody's episode. So this one's just pretty amazing. This one's right in the middle. This is like uh, the city's 26 through 37. So I, I just pulled the middle of the page here. And, you know, I mean, a shout out to Ann Arbor, Michigan. There's Wellsville, Utah, Portland, Oregon, Littleton, Colorado, Galveston, Texas, Decatur, Tennessee. I was born in Tennessee. Never heard of Decatur, Tennessee. Um, but lots of people downloaded there. Grace, Idaho, Surprise, Arizona. Got to be a lot of jokes there, right? Surprise, that kind of thing. Sherwood, Oregon. And actually, there's that one of the cities in India is the 37th um, biggest downloaded city from the last episode. So again, so, so grateful for that. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of feedback on the episode on narcissism. That one kind of blows me away as well. Um, that one gets shared a lot. And I've been contacted by more than one person that uh, that has kind of talked to me about, well, let me, I actually grabbed, and this person gave me permission to read this. Um, it says, thank you. I always knew something wasn't right in my marriage. And I've slowly watched, as I've slowly watched myself lose the person I once was. And I now realize that my husband was basically convincing me or gaslighting me, as you shared, that everything I do is wrong. My family has tried to tell me this over the years, but I didn't want to hear it from them. But thanks to your podcast, I think I really do understand. I've already reached out to my family to let them know how sorry I am of pushing them away, and I'm going to find someone who can help me change. That is a real, real email. So I think that's, uh, I'm just so grateful for, for things like that. 
Um, okay, but so when back to the cities and, and thank you to all the bold new mom folks, when Jody gave me a shout, she gave me a shout out on her Instagram page and, and she basically kind of broke my stats counter. So she has an incredible following. So I want to welcome all the bold new mom podcast listeners. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to subscribe. And if you haven't done so already, um, I would truly be grateful if you took a moment, rated and reviewed the podcast, if you like the content that you're hearing. So back to kind of that, where the episodes go, it really is interesting to see what episodes take off and where, and. And then the feedback is kind of indicative of the problems I think that are out there in the world too, or in marriages in particular. Um, On the imposter syndrome podcast, I had a lot of humorous comments, a lot of aha moments where I think people realize that so many of us have that problem in some way, shape, or form. And and uh, but kind of the the aha moments were a lot of hey, this is what is you know leads me to a lack of confidence. Is this imposter syndrome, or has kept people from seeking job opportunities that would help them live a better life? And I think as I've talked about before in my work with things like addiction or some of the couple therapy that a lot of addiction, a lot of frustration, a lot of just um, some of these these behaviors that people turn to to kind of numb, cope out, or deal with stress, uh, I believe underneath a lot of that is just a um, a lack of a fulfilling life. And so now, enter imposter syndrome that kind of tells somebody that uh, they aren't the person that can have that life, or they're not the person that can make a change midway through their their life and become a better parent or become a better spouse or get the job they wanted or start to exercise or take on a hobby. So um, listen to that one, the imposter syndrome, get it out of there. I mean, it's, it's a normal thing. Um, but I think that, that that really helps to kind of bring a voice um, or even some, you know, a name to something like that that's kind of been keeping us down. Uh, the EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy, Episode 25, and the Nurtured Heart, Episode 26, which is on parenting. So we've got EFT, which is on marriage and communication, and, and more of even just communication in a family, and then the parenting and the Nurtured Heart. Those bring a lot of deeper comments and questions, as those concepts, I think, believe, uh, often believe that those bring some hope, but then that's quickly followed by this almost like despair or, or, you know, I've been doing things wrong. And so let me just say, because that's the one I hear a lot, is that, nope, you haven't been doing things wrong, um, but we're just now learning more and more tools, evidence-based tools to help foster a greater attachment and more productive conversations. So please don't beat yourself up if you feel like you haven't been doing something correctly in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids, because that's not a productive thought. That, you know, that's one of those thoughts we just want to move right on through your brain. If you need to kind of uh, start doing a nice mindfulness practice, turn to the breath, um, picture that thought in your head as, uh, you know, as, a, as a car on the freeway and move it on through. But if the thought's not productive, if that thought doesn't go to what your core beliefs or goals or values are, then just get that one out of there. I mean, a thought is a thought is a thought. We have so many of those that go through our head. So if it is not productive, move it on through. Take the information that you have now, and uh, and it's a new day. It's you know, change can begin today. So um, I hope that helps. Sorry, I'm already getting on a little bit of a. Um, whatchamacallit, a little bit of a soapbox. Uh, Okay, let's get to today's episode. Over the last five days, I had the opportunity to speak to four different groups. Um, The first group was a group of single adults, and uh, that message was on the theme kind of new year, new you. And last night, I was able to speak to a woman's group about the five love languages, which is a popular book by author Gary Chapman. Uh, I think I'm going to do a podcast on the five love languages at some point. And if you haven't heard of them, Google them or get the book because it's a nice, easy way to kind of get to know or understand your partner better, how they show and feel love. And on Tuesday of this week, a couple days ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a local school's parent group on how to talk to your kids about sex. And I have to tell you, it was really, really 
amazing. The parents were so engaged. I felt like the administration was dialed in. Um, the discussions were real and they were raw and they were authentic. And I kind of felt like we all left there um, really edified. And despite the topic, I mean, despite the fact that a lot of the people are, you could watch as they're kind of coming to the realization that we need to be more proactive and talk to our kids about sex and intimacy. Um, we need to be the ones that are leading that conversation, not leaving it up to other people. Uh, then I felt like we th- that we left there kind of more of this united group of parents who, who want to make a difference and provide a safe, empathetic, healthy environment with their kids to impart their own values around sex and intimacy, that sort of thing. So, and if you're not comfortable with those kind of community, uh, conversations, reach out, uh, do your research, make this, you know, get awareness around, uh, there's a lot of good books out there. um, This this school group is putting together some resources, which I think I would like to eventually share. I want to do, actually, I think I'll do a podcast on talking to your kids about these kind of topics, because um, really, you can get get out on top of this, and then uh, you, you create this environment where your kids will actually come to you. And, and have questions and, and your responses are important, that sort of thing. Some of the things we've talked about in the past. But one of the most fun experiences that happened on Sunday. So I was asked to speak at the Summit Christian Church in Lincoln, California. Uh, their pastor, a guy named Chris Young, had reached out to me and had asked me to come sit down with him and talk about what I believe were concepts that I felt passionate about that could help people improve their marriage. And in our talk, in our conversation you're going to hear, he actually talks about how he heard of me, which I think is a pretty funny story. It is uh, related to the podcast. But then he and I met one late night after I had seen a lot of clients. And from the time I walked into the door of this kind of cafeteria where we were at, uh, I could just sense his energy and his passion. And immediately we started talking about marriage and hope and and excitement and, and renewal and, uh, you know, new day and let's change and all these sort of things. And specifically how he can help his congregation. And I felt it was one of those things where I really just felt like he and I were these old friends, soulmates. And in the couple of weeks that followed that meeting, I truly have grown to feel like he is an old friend. And uh, so he had me come on and talk about, and these are in his words, four big rock items, basic practical things that you and I can start doing today to start building a healthy marriage. So the podcast that you're about to hear, it's the audio clip of the interview. And then there's actually, they, they did a nice um, a video of this as well. So that video is on my Vimeo page, uh, vimeo.com. You can search for Pathback Recovery on Vimeo and see the video. Or uh, actually up on there are a bunch of good videos. The video with Jody Moore is there as well. Or you can go find the Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist Facebook page. And I post the videos there also. And uh, thanks to um, Jody mentioning me on her Instagram page. Uh, My Instagram page is starting to get a little more active. I still have to kind of put more time and effort into um, spreading the word through Instagram, but I do have an Instagram page, Virtual Couch. We just talked about the Facebook page. Uh, I get all the podcasts up there on uh, virtualcouch.xyz, and um, I also throw some stuff out there on Twitter at Tony Overbay. So here we go, the podcast. Now, for those of you who may not be of the Christian faith or who may attend a different denomination or church in general, I just wanted to kind of give you a little heads up. This is the actual program from the service. So Pastor Chris gives a short introduction to why he asked me to come on, and then I share my points. Each one of them includes a scriptural tie-in. And at the end, I didn't want to cut the audio file because Chris so graciously provided it to me, and it's a, and it's, it's a really I really appreciate the whole context of the interview. But he leads his congregation in a short prayer of gratitude and kind of recommitment. So with that said, I feel like he ends the podcast kind of perfectly where it needs to be. So this is the first episode where I won't end with the wonderful Aurora Florence's song, It's Wonderful, despite the fact that it, as in life, truly is, and I believe, can be for you as well, absolutely wonderful. Okay, let's get to the interview with Summit Christian Church Pastor Chris Young, and uh, I'll see you next time on The Virtual Couch. 
Well, God bless you guys. Good morning. You look fantastic. Thank you for being here today. Hey, we are continuing. I'm going to hop right in if that's okay. We're continuing a message series called Mind Your Own Busyness. And the reason I felt sort of impressed to do that uh, at the beginning uh, of this year, uh, not only at the beginning of this year, but takes so much time. Normally, we only do about a four-week series, and we're going to do an eight-week series this time because I feel like it's super, super important for us to just hang out in this concept for a little bit of family, faith, and finances because they're the three areas of our life that we are most busy at or should be the busiest at, but often spin our wheels most often. In other words, we produce a lot of busyness. By the end of 2018, we're going to be tired. We're going to look back. We're going to be grateful to move on to 2019 because it's just been one of those years. The question will be, after all of that business, will we have produced anything worthwhile? And the three areas that I think are most important for us to put God first and make sure that all that we're doing honors him, and if, of course, scripture is true and we know it is, the word says that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto us. And so the concept for you and I is putting our time in the right place, putting our busyness, our resources, our effort, and our energy in the right place. And so if you missed uh, the first few weeks, make sure to hop online. You can download the Summit Church app. Just put in Summit Church Lincoln into your app store and it'll come up. And you can watch those messages. And last week we wrapped up the financial part, did a little interview with Drew Bartlett. And if you missed that, make sure to grab that. And also... The first Wednesday of March, FPU starts, Financial Peace University, and you can connect with Drew, and uh, you can actually sign up for that group as well, and uh, we want to get you plugged into more resources to help move you forward in your finances. But today, I'm really excited to have a new friend with me. Actually, it's sort of odd and weird how I got to know Tony Overbay. Um, I would hear this strange man in my house every morning. Um, and his voice as Lisa was getting ready and I was a bit slower to get ready and I'd be trying to watch TV or something as she was getting ready and she'd have this podcast nice and loud so she could walk around the bedroom and the bathroom and she'd be listening to his podcast and I found myself after hearing it once or twice turning off the TV and just listening and I've shared with you guys many times before I have difficulty uh, focusing a lot, sometimes um, even in conversations with you, if I've ever walked away in the middle of a conversation, you know I love you, and just my ADD, I saw a squirrel or something shiny and a spoon on the ground, and I ran. I needed to pay attention to that. And I found myself really focused and able to stay connected, and I really, really connected with um, what was very practical, what was very balanced, and what was a very healthy approach to both parenting and marriage. And so we're going to spend some time talking to Tony Overbay today, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I ask him to meet with us today and put together just his four big rock items, basic practical things that you and I could start doing today to start building a healthy marriage. So would you help me welcome Tony Overbay? Thank, thank you, Chris. And I have to tell you, 
I didn't know, I can't see a thing up here, right? So if people are smiling at me, I, this is a universal smile to everyone, um, but it's great to be here. Thank you. So take uh, 30 seconds and tell us about your family, tell us about your, your background, just let people get to know you for a sure. second. Sure. Uh, so I, we actually moved to Lincoln in 1993, so it was when, uh, I, I, I don't quite qualify as old Lincoln, but I wasn't new Lincoln, I was kind of in that transitionary right. period. Um, but I have four children, and they are all currently in the teenage years, so I can say I have four teenagers. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been married to my wife for 27 or 28 years. I would have to do the math, right? Um, and, uh, but I <laughs> Wait just, a second. You're yeah. here to talk about marriage, and you don't know lo- how long you've been married? But I'm being vulnerable, and okay, I'm being good. authentic right now. That's what I'm doing. But it's been a wonderful marriage for awesome. a very long time. And they and got math to be is my here witness. They're here, exactly, yeah. which uh, I'm grateful for that. Awesome. Um, but yeah, and actually for about 10 years in Lincoln, um, I wrote a humor column, and that was some of the, the most fun I had here. So, really? Yeah, and then got away from that and then um, made a transition a little bit mid-career to become a marriage and family therapist. Kinda, and actually, I felt called to do it, and I'm just grateful to have, um, have, have kind of gone down that journey. But I apologize for you hearing me in your bathroom in the morning. <laughs> that's a little bit odd, right? Well, it's been really good, and, and before we're done, hopefully one of us will remember um, to figure out a way how we can communicate that they can start listening to the podcast because it is, I, and I want to say this, listening to a podcast, watching a TV show, reading a book is not good replacement for therapy. If your marriage is in sure. trouble or it needs tune-up or you need help, those things are good. It's always good to keep um, good information coming, but they're definitely not a good replacement. And so today is, like we said last week, the beginning of a conversation for marriage health. It's not the conclusion for marriage health. So let this sort of stimulate in you the desire to really start moving your marriage forward. So again, what I asked Tony to do is put together four things that he would give every single one of us to help build a better marriage. So Tony, in order to, for us to start today building a better marriage, what's the number one thing that we can so start So very doing? first, we need to create a listen first attitude. Okay. And I think that's a little more difficult than, than we anticipate to be able to tune out that automatic part of us that wants to respond, that we feel like if we are good listeners, and there's a great term called active listening, but active listening doesn't mean um, what story do I have that I can get to that will really impress this person <laughs> as they are talking to me, right? right? right. Yeah. Um, I know you have a couple of scriptures that I think lay it out perfectly. Yeah, James 1.19 says, always be more willing to listen than to speak. And then I like what it says in Proverbs 18.13, let people finish speaking before you try to answer them. That way you'll not embarrass yourself and look foolish. Right, because we're making these assumptions that we already know where this conversation's going, mm. and, and we want to come up with a story that we feel like that, okay, now we're really engaged because we're swapping stories. Um, when I, I remember when I first went to graduate school, literally the very first exercise they had us do was pair up with someone, and we had to listen for a minute without getting our response ready. And I would love for you to go home and try that today, whether it's with a your spouse or a, or, a, or a child, but try and have a conversation where you are just listening and you're not trying to say, you know, they'll be impressed if I tell them this, right? right. Um, or, or here comes a story that I think will be better. Oftentimes we get in that one-up, well, you know, that one-upsmanship. Yeah. And I think ultimately then that kind of shuts us down and then we kind of feel like, ah, you know, there's no, you don't get a medal at the end of every conversation, every <laughs> transaction of, you know, your story wins, right? right? So, right. I mean, I think, and that's something that we have to work on. Um, I did pull up something and I know it's a little bit off uh, script, but I just had to share. Yesterday, I spoke to a group, and I, I love to start with differences between men and women, and this is one I found that was really interesting. Uh, there's a study out of the Netherlands that monitored the brain activity of males and females as they process white noise and music, and the females had an intense response to both sounds, the white noise and, and the music. The males responded to the music, but they deactivated to the white noise as if they didn't hear it, 
And the theory there, this is going to get better too, I apologize. <laughs> the theory there is that because during the male fetal brain development, testosterone impacts the formation of the auditory system, making it block out unwanted noise and repetitious acoustic stimuli. So one more paragraph, I promise. Sure, this sure. makes sense, right? So the big issue in male-female relationships is often um, I get to hear in my office where the, a, a woman might say, I have to repeat myself several times right. uh, to get any response yeah. out of him, right? I don't know if that's kind of ringing a bell. Um, so she'll repeat herself several times, which makes his brain register her voice as, quote, unwanted repetitious acoustic stimuli. And so before you know it, it devolves into this, he never listens, and, uh, and she's always nagging. And so a lot of us get stuck in this feedback loop of behavior, and then now we kind of get this chicken wow. and the egg scenario, right? So it's the, does my mom say the same thing 500 times because my dad doesn't hear, or has my dad tuned her out because she repeats herself? So, I'm, you know, so it, it takes so, work to listen. Yeah, so uh, do you have any sort of advice for, um, because that makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense to everybody. Um, Maybe just for men, what is something they can do to be more active and intentional in their listening? How do they tune in so that their wife feels heard? Yeah, this is the part where I don't say they can't, right? Okay. No, (laughs) No, they really can't. No, they're really very capable. So, but it takes, it's an active process. And I think that's going to, we're going to get to some of this as well. Uh, One of the words I love is just awareness. I mean, the first step to that is being aware and saying, okay, I actively have to listen. And we're going to find ourselves, especially, and some of these are very stereotypical, but the man brain um, way to fix, we want to fix, right? right? And, And oftentimes we have have to turn off that. I want to fix that. I want to fix that. I want to fix that. So just being aware, and we're going to be able to maybe talk a little bit about this later, but I want, I want to be able for people to say in that moment, monologue, you know, say, okay, I'm wanting to fix right now. You know, is that mm. what you want? And then not be offended when she says, no, not really. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. So, so cultivate this listening. Um, it, it is something that takes work. Uh, and the more repetition we do, the better we get at it. To the point of now where I can find myself trying to, I am just listening. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and I have to say, I think this is the part where I'm supposed to respond, you mm. know, where okay. I'm supposed to give the classic therapist. And how do you feel about that? <laughs> right? Okay. Right. Now, do you make your wife lay down on a couch and you sit behind her oh, in a chair with a, a notepad? No, or we, no? That, we need to talk. We'll have to switch <laughs> chairs for that one. I mean, I have to watch out for that. You know, imagine yeah. what it's like being married to a therapist or if that's yeah. your dad, right? Yeah. So I have to, you know, I'm immediately trying to not use therapist words. Okay. Yeah. That's good. All right. Listen first attitude. Sure. Uh, to get busy building a better marriage, what's the number two thing you so Number two is now we're going to start working with what I feel is one of the big moments, cultivating an empathetic heart. So uh, you, you have a great scripture here from Romans. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Mm, that's so good. be happy with them. Empathy. Uh, I love the concept of when we think of empathy, we can, we can get confused with empathy and sympathy. Um, so I like to kind of put it this way. If you come upon someone and they are down in this, this pit, this hole, this right. ditch, whatever, uh, sympathy is looking over the edge and saying, man, I feel bad. That looks, <laughs> that looks really rough, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, I kind of got to go, right. you know, but I will be thinking of you. I really will. <laughs> right. And, right. I, and it breaks my heart that right. you're in there. Yeah. So um, empathy is, is you jump down in the hole with them. Wow. And now you're saying, okay, I, this is rough. Like, what, what do we do with this? You know, and, and what have you done to get out of these holes before? And what kind of skills do you bring to the table? You know, that sort yeah. of thing. Empathy is, is really trying to be in that person's shoes, which, so my ADD brain just went to this, I, there's, you hear this comment all the time where it says, um, uh, before you judge someone, you want to walk a mile in their shoes, right. right? Because then you're a mile away from them and you have their shoes. <laughs> And, and I don't think that's how it was supposed to be, it, but that's, but I mean, the concept is good, right? Yeah. Okay. Give us something uh, practical that 
Um, again, well, is there, is there a difference in men and women's uh, capability or um, readiness to be empathetic versus sympathetic? Yeah, that was a very nice word choice. Their readiness, right? <laughs> right yeah. yeah, what's the biggest challenge here? And I think it does go back to, in essence, it is kind of the fixing and judgment part of the brain. So I think that a lot of men, and we can kind of trace this back to the, you know, the, the, the hunter-gatherer, the man is the, yeah. I will go and forage and bring back and wife will be impressed with the things that I have brought, right. um, that I am fixing things right? So I think a lot of times even when, when uh, a wife might be sharing, this is my frustration with the day, and husband goes immediately into, why didn't you, or I would have, mm. or that sort of thing, those are all fixing and judgment statements, and those kind of shut down this free flow of communication. Wow. So the empathy is like, hey, tell me more about what was going on. Give me, give me the, the whole layout of your day, what was happening, and now we're back to that number one, listening, turn off, I, and I do this, turn off the part of your brain that wants to fix and judge. Now, we're going to give you some nice dialogue down the road to be able to, after you after you kind of have connected with your partner and you understand them more, right. you can say, you know, man, I'm wondering if you want me to try to fix this. Usually the answer is no. Or, uh, you know, or man, I, you know, I, I, I wonder if this would have worked or, or what about this or I know you're good at. And so instead of these, why didn't you or those kind of shutting down statements. Right. So cultivating that empathy, it really is, um, you know, you're trying to get more into their experience, what that was like for them, not just trying to say, yeah, you did that wrong. So let me ask you this. If, um, and men probably aren't um, as inclined to process out their emotions sure. or um, share troubles yeah. with their wife, or if they do, it's a very declarative statement. It's a very, this guy at work did this, and yeah. I'm, he's already resolved what he's going to do about it. Yeah. And then his wife may come from her position and try to be empathetic yeah. and get a little shut down, what are some things that from a, um, maybe a female perspective they can do to successfully draw out better conversation with their husband? Yeah, and I think, that, and I think a lot of females are, are good at that, where that, maybe more of that empathy about, you know, how frustrated were you, or, or that doesn't seem fair, or tell me more about what that experience was like. I think that kind of comes naturally, right. but at times that almost then just kind of feeds this you know, I got this thing figured out, I solved it, I fixed it right. mentality, right? I want to have more of an open communication where it's, you know, what do you think I should have done? Or, or, and we're going to get there, yeah. um, which I think is going to actually kind of lead more into part three. I want to talk really quick, too, yeah. um, when I'm on this empathy part. There's, I remember when I was becoming a therapist, I was a shiny new therapist, a lot of people think that, and I love when I hear somebody say, I would be a good therapist because I, I know how to tell people what to do, right? <laughs> and that one kind of goes against what we're trying to do. But I had a, an instructor talk about one time, what we're trying to do is, um, and I think that this is a, a lot of the way that God works, is where um, you know, we think that somebody's going to stand, that if we're at this wall and then uh, you know, the therapist is over there, then they're just going to say, okay, come on, get over here, watch out for the chairs, move left, move right, duck under this one. And that doesn't teach this person much of anything, right? right. So what a therapist does, or I think what you know, God is ultimately the, the greatest at, is he's going to get right over there beside you and then say, where are we going, mm -hmm. right? And then when we get to the chair and it's like, what do you want to do with the chair? Do you want to go under the chair? Do you want to pick the chair up? You've got your own experiences of like, you know, maybe you were attacked by a group of chairs as a child and that's a traumatic experience for you. Right. So you want to go completely around the chairs, but yeah. that's more of like what we're trying to get to, even in a partnership. So, so even when you're saying, how can a wife um, kind of get to this place for more productive communication, uh, we're going to kind of break this thing down at the root level and change the whole paradigm of communication. So when we have this listening and this empathy that's been cultivated, yeah. now we're right there together. And now we're, we feel like we can trust each other with our emotions, with, our, uh, with what our experiences are, and now we can kind of process these things together. Together. So did I, did I avoid your question? Did I do that? Or was that? No. All right. Okay, good. No. Okay. Plus, I think you were saying we're going to 
kind of reconnect with the question point three. Yeah, and so, and I thought, you know, I thought as well here, um, that kind of, this does go more to that, um, you know, you teach a man to fish, that, that concept, right. you know, that we learn about in the gospel. We're trying to, we're trying to nurture these relationships and then help the couple now grow together um, instead of having one person feel like, you know, I'm always doing something wrong right. or you're always going to try to fix me. Right. Yeah. Cause I, and, and this is an observation you can push back on and it's not an indictment of men, but I know that when I'm feeling, maybe I felt attacked by somebody or I felt, um, uh, frustrated about something when I process outside or out loud with Lisa, I'm often looking for an advocate, yeah. not really anyone to give me true feedback. I want her to tell me I'm right. Yeah. I want her to join in my, I want her empathy to be, you're right. Yep. I, 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 don't, I don't need any pushback. I don't need her to say what she's inclined to do because she has better judgment than me. Sure. She's inclined to go, honey, now that sort of feels like you're overreacting to that. Or I want her to just go, yeah, I'd be mad too. And then I feel uncomfortable when she is. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I feel weirded out when she is because I'm yeah. like, shouldn't you be telling me to behave better than this right now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. no. And, you, and uh, so that does, that leads perfectly into number three, which is we're now going to connect um, with, it's, it's a compassionate spirit. So this is where the magic starts to happen. Right. We're, we're laying those fundamental foundational principles of uh, listening and empathy. And now we get to the part where as a marriage therapist, this is where my work really starts to, you see just immediate change or right. miraculous change in people. So I really connect with this. Well, first of all, most marriage therapists, if I'm top secret, don't really like couples therapy. Okay. Because you end up being in this position as, as a referee. You'll right. get, couples will come to you and say, I'm going to tell you my version, and she's going to tell you her version, and you just need to tell us who's right. And that is a horrible place to be as <laughs> right, a marriage right. therapist, right? So, so and which is why I think a lot of people get frustrated with the therapy process. Absolutely, they do. And quit on it. Yeah, and so a lot of therapists who haven't really tried to do a lot with couples therapy will maybe have a couple or two. They're not really solid. They've learned reflective listening skills where right. it's the, okay... Uh, why don't you say what you know you say, and then you get the the spouse. So how did you hear that? What did you hear? And then you kind of do both of those. Feels a little bit better, and then you just say, "All right, you guys fix it." Right? Yeah. And that doesn't work because right. we really don't get anywhere. So I really doubled down on my training around couples therapy, and it's around this. It's an evidence based moda- modality called uh, EFT, okay. emotionally fo- emotionally focused therapy. And I know, yeah. So this is the book. It's kind of the it's the easy guide to EFT. It's called Hold Me Tight. It's by a, a psychologist named Sue Johnson. And EFT, is, it is evidence-based, and it, but it's a completely different paradigm of the way we're going to communicate as a couple. Okay. Uh, I had a guy tell me just last week, and I love this, he said that when he finally understood the concepts of EFT, he, he had to deconstruct his entire way that he communicates. Hmm. Because here's what's underneath EFT. When we are going to communicate with our partner, we are looking at this as, you know, we're about to be pretty vulnerable. And, and I go to this place when I speak, I always say, we're about to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a little bit of my heart. So okay. whatever this is, I'm frustrated at work, I'm frustrated with the kids, I don't know what to do about something. That is an emotional bid in the world of EFT. We're okay. going to say, I'm going to trust you a little bit with my heart, what are you going to do with it? So the key here now is that response. So, and if we, if we had more time, or, but EFT, the, the book does a nice job. Um, EFT is all based on what's called attachment theory. And this is we, from, the, from the beginning of our, you know, being nurtured by our parents right. or trying to connect to friends. We're constantly kind of looking for who we can share our heart with and what they will do with it. Will they respect it? But as mm. they don't, or as we have these experiences that don't feel comfortable, we start to put up walls and we kind of hold back our heart. Yeah. So we're looking for these groups or people that we feel safe with. 
Now, oftentimes, we will even misinterpret situations when we put our heart out there uh, where someone might be kind of coming on strong or fixing your judgment, and then we learn to now we're going to kind of put our heart back hold away, back, yeah. right? We're going to hold it back. Because now here's where we get a little bit more into the dynamics of men and women as, you know, stereotype. Right. But when man brain is the strong and silent type, rub a little dirt in it, don't cry, you're going to be made fun of, that sort <laughs> right. of thing, right? Right. So now he goes into this relationship with his partner um, to get married, and he's like saying, okay, I kind of feel safe, show us sharing my heart a little bit here, yeah. but I also, if I go big, if I like cry at like a chick flick or something like that, <laughs> she's gone, you yeah. know? So sometimes, you know, he's, oh, I'm holding it back, right. um, but really all she wants him to do is cry at the chick flick, hmm. right? So, so, so EFT starts talking about what are these emotional bids that we put out, and then how do we respond? So if we say we had a hard day at work, right. and then I love where you were going with this, um, that's an emotional bid. So we want our partner, we want to know that they are a safe place. So when, wow. if they return back and say, okay, that's ridiculous. Everything is going great with you at work. You know, you, you make great money, whatever. Yeah. You know, are we going to continue to go home and say, man, I've had a rough day at work? Right. No, we're gonna, well, I know what she's going to say to that, right? Yeah. And so that's the same where when we have, when our, when our wife wants to come to us and say they are frustrated about anything, their workout that day, a parenting issue, something going on at school or church, and if our immediate response is going to be, okay, that's ridiculous. You know, you are a good person and you are, we yeah. can even be coming from a good place when we do that, yeah. but we're kind of shutting down this emotional bid. And do you think a frustration that couples experience is that what is a big deal to you mm-hmm. is not a big deal to your spouse. And so we use our own uh, watermark, yep. uh, our water level for determine, like you go, well, that's just silly. Why would, you, why would you be upset about yeah, that? Instead of, so now go back to empathy and it's like, hey, tell me why that's important to you, yeah. right? Um, I, and I, you know, a long time ago, I, I have some really easy examples of this that I don't, it won't kind of rat anybody out, right? I, I maintain confidentiality, but <laughs> one of these that I go to that I, a lot of is where there was a woman who really wanted to go back to school. She yeah. didn't have an opportunity to. They started having kids. The husband did very well financially. And, yeah. and she would say, I just, I really feel like I need to get my education. There's that emotional bid. And yeah. what is he saying then? He's coming at it from a, you know, there's no need. We make a lot of money. You're, right. you're a great mom. And so he's like, that's ridiculous, right? So mm. she starts holding that back. And then every time she's triggered by seeing, you know, someone else that gets their degree or somebody that's doing something else, then she builds this resentment. She wants to go to her husband and talk about it, but she already knows he's going to shut that down. So something as simple as that can then start to drive this wedge in the relationship. So in that scenario, once we had the couple in there under this EFT umbrella, right. she's able to say, this is why school is important. And it went back to her mom had had you know, some struggles and her father had um, left the home and right. mom had to get a job. And so this education was important. He was coming at it from this place of, I don't like school. I finished. Now I provide a good living. Yeah. You don't have to go yeah. to school, right? Yeah. And so once we kind of broke it down in the why is this important for you? That makes sense. Why is, you know, what's your experience with this? Then it was like, you know, the clouds part and a rainbow and a unicorn came running by and it was like, this is great, right? Right. Yeah. So then once you start hitting on some of those topics, imagine this relationship where you can come in and throw anything out there and you know that's an emotional bid and your partner even might monologue and say, oh, I want to fix that one, but tell me more about that, right? So that's kind of where we're headed with EFT. Okay. So one last question before we move into point four is this. Um, what are some, and I realize we can't unpack all this, and this isn't a group therapy session, a really big group therapy session. <laughs> right. What are some things that people can identify to watch out for as they're listening to their uh, spouse communicate, or listening to anyone mm-hmm. communicate, but specifically spouses, that they can identify as this is, this is the wrong, this isn't the re- appropriate reaction, sure. and how to sort of 
uh, control that? Like, what are things that, if this is what they're hearing in their head, they need to sort of silence that voice and, and what's the appropriate response? Yeah, does, no, that, great, does that make sense? Absolutely, great question. So we're going to go back to if we are cultivating this listening, this ability to listen already, right. we're going to be aware of that. Now we've got the empathy, so it's like I care enough about this person that I want to know what their experience is yeah. because the more we learn about them, the more data we're going to have. There's, there's no doubt that we're going to learn more about our spouse or our children or our, in our work situation. Right. We're going to learn more about that person. Things are going to make a little bit more sense. So, so already we're off to a good start with those first two. Now... Yeah. We're going to recognize that anytime I want to say, but that's not right, or why would you, mm. that, that's, that's going to be a trigger for us to say, I'm about to make it about me. So mm. I want to find out more about where they're coming from. And I will tell you, I had a, a pretty intense session um, a little while ago with a guy who said, oh, okay, so you, the, I basically just have to say, whatever you think is right, you know? Yeah. And I'm saying, no, we, but once you kind of understand the person more, number one, that's going to look different. And then there are still wonderful techniques it's the semantics of language to say, that makes more sense. I hear you. I feel like you have done such a good job with here. I'm wondering if, you know, we might be able to, right? right? So you take all that heat away from that person, all yeah. that fixing and judgment, you do this wrong away, yeah. and you still get to say what you want to say. I mean, this is, EFT applies, I, I do it with families, I do corporate trainings at schools, because it's just a, it's a real good way to communicate, to right. be able to cultivate this ability to say whatever I want to this person I care about, not have it shut down, actually have them understand more about me, and the more we do that back and forth, we learn more about our partners, and we're able to kind of just say, man, take, let me take you on you know, my train of thought. Hmm. I, go, I go all these different places, yeah. and have your partner say, okay, I get that, that makes sense. That's really, really good. Okay, number four is this, to build, uh, to get busy building a better marriage. Number four is what? So number four is then celebrating a safe environment. And so that is, that is the key to this. And we don't get perfect at this. We're not looking for perfection. We will still have our own days where we're hungry or angry or lonely or tired or any of those things. Right. And we may come in and not respond adequately or not respond appropriately. But now we have this, if we're cultivating or celebrating a safe environment, we have this dialogue now we can say, man, I feel like you're kind of fixing me right now. Yeah. I feel like you're judging me. And instead of the person say, you know, what do you expect from me? It's like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to double down on empathy now. Tell me what's going on for you. Yeah. I wrote down, this is funny only to me because I've been bald for about 15 years. This is the <laughs> lather, rinse, and repeat stage of okay. this, right? So this is the part where we may have this great dialogue, but then we feel like, um, I don't want to bring this up again, you know, because I'm worried mm. this time now he's going he's gonna to try to fix it or this time he's going to judge me for what I'm about to say. Right. But this is where we kind of have to start, I don't know, trusting the process a little bit. So this is the part where we have to, if, uh, you know, a lot of times like that education example, we may have processed that and the woman feels like she's much more supported in, in going back to school or whatever. Right. And maybe a month or two goes by and now she says, well, I haven't done anything about it. He didn't say anything about it. I don't want to bring it up again. Mm. That's old baggage that we bring yeah. into that, right? The rinse, lather, and repeat version of this, celebrating a safe environment is now we know that we can come in and say, hey, I, I loved the fact that we talked about that piece of what education yeah. means to me. And I realized we haven't really done anything about that. And I'm worried that that's just going to kind of go. Yeah. Because then already now we're going to find out maybe the husband was saying, okay, well, I felt like I was the jerk when, when we figured that one out. So I don't now want to push, so, but I'm good for anything. Right. So we're still w working out of this world of... Um, you know, not having all the information out there and we're making assumptions again. Yeah. So, so my goal is just this, being able to cultivate the safe environment, being able to come to your partner anytime, even if it's the same thing, because you know that they're going to respond appropriately. We, something that's interesting, and I've said this many, many times in here, and I'll, I'll say it again, is I'm not a therapist, right? So I'm a big advocate of when I sit down with a couple and they're, they're struggling 
first thing I say is I'm a fan of your marriage. I'm a cheerleader for your marriage. Yeah. I'm, I'm in your corner to fight for your marriage with you. Um, but I can't go deep with you and fix your marriage. And um, that's going to be you partnering with someone who's trained to give you the skills and tools. But what I do often is um, I have sort of download sessions with people where they come and they go, well, we've been seeing a counselor. And then we get home and we and they lay out all yeah. of this um, junk that happens at home. And what I find is there, there's this um, imbalance. There's a safe environment. They see therapy as a place where they really can be vulnerable yeah. because there is the built-in, like you said, referee. There's someone there to help them manage the big emotions that spill out when they don't have control of them themselves. Um, I'm wondering this, wh- what is, and, and maybe this is a big, big answer, but what is a way that they can bridge the gap between that really safe environment of, of therapy where yeah. they feel protected, where one spouse who gets shouted down or gets a lot of judgment statements, where they can move that into, um, and maybe you've covered this already, what are some key phrases they can say to push back on the wrong reaction. They did an emotional bid. Their spouse reacted inappropriately and are shutting them down. What are some things they can do to say, hey, I really need to feel safe in sharing this with you. How, how can they do that yeah, so no, they can bridge the gap between a therapy environment, what is safe, yeah. and home, which feels like... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dodge your answer okay. and then I'm going to come back to it. Okay. So, and I'm glad you said this. One of the biggest things here is, yeah, we're oftentimes we want to jump right to the, the big ticket items, the top 10 things that we argue about. And, and we may read a book or go to one session and feel some hope, and then, but we don't necessarily have the skills to go back in the home right. and process these big ticket mm-hmm. items. So I often talk about go after that, the, the, the small victories, the low-hanging fruit, and, and under this banner of awareness. I want to kind of step back and have a couple say, um, hey, tell me what you're parenting. Tell me how you were parented as a kid. Yeah. And, and, and there's going to be no fixing your judgment. Because that is one of the first things that I found, especially working with couples who have parenting issues, is that they're coming from two different places, but yeah. they're even afraid to talk about what their background was like. But when, when your spouse, who you know now, or you're, you're on the same page of, we want to fix this, we want to make this work, right. then I want to know everything about you and how you were parented and how you were raised. And if you tell me that it wasn't the best situation in the world, I'm not going to say, I can't believe you, you know, you, let, you didn't say anything to your parents. I didn't believe, you know, yeah. now we just want to know because we care about them so yeah, much. Yeah. So we, we, we have more awareness around what was parenting like, you know, what was your dre- ideal uh, vision of what a marriage was like? I find often I'm trying to sell this marriage of, you know, the rainbow unicorn version. And I've got people that feel like, yeah, that's not real. You yeah. know, here's my version of what a real marriage looked like because of the things that they mm. had been through. So sometimes I want us just to get on page and have awareness of, of just what life was like, right. what life is been like up to this point because we're still back at this we maybe have never been this vulnerable because we thought if I tell them about my background they're leaving you know yeah so so I don't know if that's a kind of a way to start that so I would say start looking at these areas that are pretty fundamental marriage and parenting and and what was your expectations of a career and all these things and just find out more about your spouse start there and you'll Mm. start to feel like okay there's a little something there there's a little connection I know more about them yeah plus they listened and it was nice so I think that's the place to start okay yeah, I've, uh, and you may, as a therapist, tell me this is a terrible idea. Sounds but... like a terrible idea. <laughs> I would never say that. Watch me turn this to sound okay, positive. That'll okay, that'll be awesome. Okay. Take notes, folks. Um, when, I, when people tell me that, and again, I, I always want to see them, if they're in, in deep and in, in big frustrations on their marriage, I like to see them in therapy. But in that 
week in between the, the, the sessions, I always tell them, um, bring in a regulator. Mm. I say, if you know that you have to have a big conversation that's going to be emotionally charged, go out to Chili's and have uh, it there. Yeah. Because you can't go crazy in the middle of Chili's. There's a waiter that comes up and goes, you need me to refill your water? And they break the cycle of yeah. those emotional buildups, that, yeah. that steam building up in there. And it sort of provides, I wouldn't say the therapist environment, but it provides a safe place in which they know tempers and emotions are going to be regulated. Yeah. They have to keep their voices down. And they have to just really communicate. And it, it, it's like um, we pretend as if emotions rule us mm -hmm. and that we have, we're just victims. We're, we're taken hostage by our emotions. But if you're fighting at home and the phone rings, you pick it up and go, hello. Right. You can just all yeah. of a sudden shut it off and then we hang it up and we're back at it. I hey, mean, that's, taken, a, that's part of an EFT conversation where sometimes people will say, man, you can, you treat me so bad, but then you're wow. so great out there. Right. Yeah. And, and if that's being able to be said without a, well, you know, you make it impossible if it's like a, wow, okay, I, 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 I hear you and, and I can understand that's hard for yeah. you. Uh, two quick ADD moments there. One, the chilies, chips, and salsa are amazing. So that would do it, right? <laughs> and the queso is pretty Yeah. Number yeah. two, I would love to just walk around my whole life with this music, right? <laughs> I feel like everything would it's be better. Nice. It's, it's nice. It's really nice. It's a soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. But number three is I, I think that's a good idea. And we're also finding out more and more about movement. So, you know, I, I'm starting to be a big advocate for, yeah, get out of the house, even just take a walk. Yeah. Right? Maybe walk around chilies. I don't know how long you can do that before they're <laughs> going to kick you out. Right? Before they call the cops. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. But no, I do like that. That's yeah. a great idea idea um we're gonna wrap up and again i want to just reconnect you to the intent of what we're doing none of what we do during a series or in an individual weekend is the cure-all to everything whether we're approaching finances or family or spiritual growth or healing from um, abuse or whatever it happens to be that we're talking about making progress in any area these are all the beginning um, moments of moving us forward in that. And a phrase that I've become fond of, and it's I didn't originate it, it's the best time to plant a tree is 25 years ago. Second best time is today. So a lot of us get caught up in the guilt and frustration that we weren't doing this earlier in our marriage or we weren't doing this earlier in our family. We didn't land on this information quicker. And then we sort of feel defeated that we've wasted all this time and there's no way to really take a marriage of 25 years and make it amazing for the last 25 years of the marriage or whatever it happens to be, we sort of just stop and figure this is as good as it's going to get. And I want to tell you that the whole um, miracle, the whole win of a relationship with Christ is that old things have gone and new things have come. The old has been put to rest and the new has been resurrected with Christ. And so the idea that we can't have, however rough our marriage has been or however average or mediocre or lukewarm our marriage has been so far, it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And whatever tools you accumulated from your parents don't have to be the tools that you build your marriage with because our parents are human. And therefore they were working with broken tools that they inherited from their parents. And even if their parents' marriage was perfect, it doesn't mean that your parents' marriage was the same as your grandparents' marriage. And so we all sort of devolve and we all sort of break down our own marriages and we sort of pass that on to the kids. And so my challenge to you is this, do the things necessary to leave your kids a legacy of a marriage they can imitate and emulate 
and copy and say, if I have a marriage, I want it to be just like my parents because they were good at creating a safe environment for us to talk to each other and for us to talk to them and for them to talk to each other. And no, they didn't have a marriage in which they didn't argue. It's just they argued in a really healthy way in which they hurt each other and they, they came to conclusions that, that actually moved them forward as a couple and put to rest frustrations that they were having. And so I want to encourage you to do things like this. So these were a little hard to get a hold of because there was limits on how many we could buy. We got a hold of 12 copies of this and they're at the bookstore. And so if we run out, we can try our best to get more copies, but um, this is at the bookstore. And what we're trying to do more and more is when we talk about something, put in your hands the tools to help you get started moving that way. But I wanna encourage you, don't stop here. If your marriage is doing really, really well, then that's amazing and that's awesome. And be ready to do this. The moment it feels off-center, the moment it feels like it's starting to lose its momentum, the moment it's starting to sort of uh, um, lose elevation, be okay with the idea that you can sit down with somebody like Tony and say, I don't know, it's been going really well and now it doesn't feel right. There's something off and we'd like to just sort of bounce some stuff off you and see if you can help us identify where we need to be working. But especially if your marriage is in crisis, can I encourage you in this? Don't wait any longer. If you broke your arm today, you wouldn't go into the garage and just say, I'm gonna duct tape it to a two by four and just sort of hope for the best. All of a sudden we become armchair psychologists and armchair therapists and we think we can fix each other. It's the blind leading the blind. Sick people think sickly. Right? If you are not well, I mean, the flu's going crazy in California right now. When you get the flu, you just lay in bed and you forgot what it's like to feel healthy. And so it's not a perfect time to coach other people in healthiness either. Right? And so when you're not doing well in your marriage, go outside of yourself and have somebody whose sole purpose is to help you identify healthy movement that you can make. And don't wait any longer because I often have people that come to me and they say, I'm ready to get a divorce. And I think that just came to you last night or has this been building up for two years and it's just now that you're ready to get some help. Don't wait all of that time. Get in, get connected to help. And um, as much as I obviously believe in the practicality of scripture and the practicality of prayer and, and the effectiveness of all of those things, God made us holistically. Sometimes God wants us to add practical solution right? The Bible talks about zeal without wisdom. Sometimes we need to add wisdom to our spiritual fervor. And you should be praying. You should be praying for your spouse. You should be praying for your marriage. You should be seeking the word of God on all of those things. And then God also says, you should go seek good wisdom. And so connecting in a moment like this and connecting with somebody like Tony is a really big win for your marriage. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to respond. Because I want you to take your first step towards building a better marriage this morning, moving your busyness into, and I love what he just said, that sometimes we treat other people better than we treat our own spouse or treat our, we give them our emotional best. We give them our our conversation best. We give them um, really our, our, our intellectual best. We just sort of offer the best to our friends at work, our neighbors, our, but we don't do that with our spouse. Maybe you're in the middle of crisis and you don't know how much longer you can go on like this. 
I know there's a lot going on and th- it doesn't end here, but it does begin here. And so my question is this for you. If you want to begin today to take steps to build a better marriage, even if it's going well and you just say, I want it not to go well, I want it to go amazingly well. I want to look back on my marriage and know I left my kids a legacy of a really healthy, a very healthy marriage. Or maybe you're in crisis and you say, I'm tired of being in crisis. I want to fight for this. Can I have you just very quickly slip your hand up and then you can put it back down? Yeah, lots and lots of people. So here's what we're going to commit to together. Father, we come to you, some with broken hearts and some with enthusiastic and excited hearts. No matter where we're at, there's so many people in here who want to move their marriage forward. And maybe some that are just feeling too tired and frustrated or even hopeless to raise their hand. Maybe some that feel like their marriage is exactly where it needs to be and they don't need help. But the truth is, the word compares our relationship with you to marriage, which means that um, when you hold us accountable for our marriages, you hold us accountable to the standards by which you treat us, which means that all of us have room to move our marriage towards looking more like you, the way you extend and express kindness and grace and forgiveness and mercy and gentleness and compassion and intimacy And so I'm praying for every single person in here, especially those who raise their hand, that today marks the beginning of them taking step after step after step, step at a time, moving themselves towards a better marriage. And that along the way, they just stop and identify, I can't do this alone. I need this help and I need to do this and I need to bring more people into this process because I can't do it by myself. And my spouse and I, we're not in the place where we have the health to move it forward. So we're going to bring somebody in to help add health there. So God, I'm excited about what's going to come from the decision to do marriage better, to build a better marriage. And so I thank you in advance as if it's already been done, giving you praise now for restored marriages. A year from now, at the end of 2018, We're going to look at a completely different room of people whose marriages are in a completely different place because of what they decided to do today. In Jesus' name, amen.